Welcome to the 90th Minute Whistle Podcast. I am your host, Mario. I'm here my co-host, Leon. Hello, everyone. Hello. The week feels long. Yeah, because it's been boring. <laughs> Granted, um, some of the, some of the, some of the, the, the European Championships and the Copa America are starting to heat up. Yes, um, Monday was a great day of football for the Euros. Um, two extra time matches, um, two last minute winners, um, Swiss winning on pens, the Spanish, well, Croatia equalizing up, the Swiss doing the same, Spain powering through, Mbappe missing the penalty. You know, that's one of the, sleep. you know that you know one of the things that I always question in football is when a goalkeeper saves a penalty, why do we still call that miss penalty? Mbappe oh, took a damn good penalty, but um, um save it. Um, so the penalty wasn't actually that good because of the power and the placement. It was right in the middle, and he didn't get enough height or enough power on it. So I that's actually. Right in the that's actually an easy save for a goalkeeper if they read the direction correctly. No, but that wasn't that wasn't straight down the middle. You kick it um, no, towards I think the where, goalkeeper's where, right. Where it was, where it was, it was like center height in the goal. And because it's center height in the goal, it's easy for the keeper to get to. And it's not like he got enough power or enough, or it was far enough in the corner where it's harder for the keeper to save. So... Um, that's why I, I, I think it was always like, it, like it wasn't actually was termed, it wasn't actually termed a bad miss by Mbappe because no, nobody called it a good a penalty. Miss. I thought it was a good it, penalty, it was an okay penalty to me. It was a good penalty. I thought the save was good. I thought I thought the save was what mattered. I don't think it was a bad penalty by Mbappe or an okay. Penalty. No, no, I, I wouldn't say it's, no, it's not a bad penalty, but it's an easable, it's easy to save if the keeper judges the right direction. And we saw, and we saw that. We saw someone easily tip, tip it away. Um, you remember the one that... Um, I don't think you're giving credit. I don't think people are giving you right. right. let so me much. Let me let me compare it to another penalty, right? Mm. The one where Lowry's got a hand to it, yeah. but the power beat him, right? Yeah. So when but, you're taking Yeah, a but penalty, not every penalty is taken with that level of power. But I'm saying, when you're taking a penalty, right? There's three mm. things that they look at to term it as a good penalty. One, did you get enough power on the ball? Two, yeah, but did you place a, it in the corner? Let me ask you a question. If a panic or three, goes did in, you get enough height on on the on it? Mbappe's penalty was good power, good placement, but not enough height. That was a, that's why it was easily saved by Summer. Yes, Summer did great by judging a, the direction. I'm not saying that. I'm not taking any credit away from Summer. I'm just saying the height of which where the ball was kicked, once you judge that direction, it's easy, it's easy for the goalkeeper to get a hand to it and push it out. Yeah, but here's because it's not there's... enough power on it that he gets that, or if the keeper gets a hand to it, it the power beats him. Yeah, but here's where here's where I disagree with a lot of people in that in penalties. Mm-hmm. If that penalty goes in. Whether the keeper touch it or not, you're saying that it's a perfect penalty. Right amount of placement, right amount of power, 
um, exactly where it needs to be. For example, let's say that the keeper judges it the wrong way or even judges it the right way but doesn't get his hand firm which is why I give so much, so much credit. Um, other than that, it's a perfect penalty if the keeper just doesn't save it. Yeah, but, uh, like, yeah, but then even then, you wouldn't call it a perfect penalty. Right. Look, uh, look at like Kim Pembe's penalty, right? Kim Pembe's mm. penalty is what you would term a perfect penalty. Good height, good power, right? Good placement. It's, it's almost impossible for a goalkeeper to get a hand to where Kim Pembe plays the ball with the power that he plays the ball with. Um, no, but that's, at, that's more variation than at, a perfect. That's more variation than a perfect penalty. But look at all of Lampard's penalties, right? Most of them are in the bottom corner. And when he does try to get it into the top corner, right, he puts enough power on it. But when, when, when he's trying to go like mid-goal height, there's pace on the ball so that it flies past the keeper no, but the keeper has that time to react. No, but, but, but here's, here's my thing. I, I mean, the only thing Mbappe's penalty was lacking was pace on the ball. I don't, but I disagree with that as well. I just think it was a great save. I thought there's nothing more Mbappe could do in Yes, uh, no, there's a lot more he could have done right there to, to get that penalty through. And, as, and I think that's more variation. That was, that was a penalty that was kicked with no confidence. I disagree that with was that. a no confidence. I, dis- I, I, I disagree with that entirely. I think that by that all means I would not have. More. By all means I would not have have, have him in the in the in the five to take the to take the penalty. I disagree with that. I, I don't think anybody wouldn't have him in the five. I just thought it was a great. No, save. you want to I, know why I wouldn't have have him in the five? Why? Because prior to the penalty shootout, he missed two. He missed a one-on-one opportunity and he missed a sitter. I don't think you're taking Mbappe out of. No, I know. Like a couple seconds before the match is blown off, he literally just missed a sitter. That's not that's not the mind frame that you want to have your fifth penalty. Again, again, it it doesn't to me it doesn't matter. I don't think any coach is taking Mbappe out of that five just because he missed a a shot. I don't think any coach is doing that. Because when you look at Mbappe's penalties um, previously. That, that's the first time he hit a penalty without much power or, or placing it into a corner. But, uh, but again, he did try to play. It's not like he hit straight to the keyboard. And he no, he was turning it, but like I said, it was not, he did not place it far enough. He placed it center mass. It was a center mass penalty. No, it was it's like not he kicked it to center. the right up, so he kicked it's it to the right up. Center. The, fact center, so, listen, the fact that so much to die for it tells me that it's not. Yeah, but I'm saying, that's what I said. When I said it's center mass, I'm not saying it's dead center. I'm saying if you were to draw a line across the goal, right, it's in that line where, it's, where once the goalkeeper guesses it and has good reflexes, he will be able to push it out, which is what happened. And I don't think so. I think it was a brilliant save by Jan Soma. I think there's nothing more Mbappe could have done in that penalty. He placed it to a, he placed it to a side. He kicked it with enough power. Soma just read it and saved it. I don't think he could... Because again, that penalty, if that penalty went in, whether Soma even died the correct way, if that penalty went in, we would be saying it's a good penalty. Yeah, it's a good, not a perfect penalty. There's no, to me, there's no perfect penalty. A panenka that goes in is a perfect penalty. To me, oh, a panenka yes. that goes in is a perfect penalty. And again, that yes, it's true. more variation. Because like I said, like I'll use your example, Kim Pembe's penalty. That can be classified as a perfect penalty. It can also be classified as a bad penalty if the keeper says it. 
Because people will say, oh, well, he should have kicked it higher. He should have. There will always be something. I just think that was a brilliant save. I don't brilliant save. I say it was a good save. I don't think it was. I don't think someone pulled off anything outstanding with getting to the getting to it. He just read he read the direction well, which is the first half of the battle. As a goalkeeper, once you've read the if you are able to read the direction of the penalty, then it's a good it you have you've already won like 50% at the battle in terms of um, being able to save it. The True, next is again, having your seen, reactions to yes it's getting your reactions to actually or getting your body to cover that distance that you need to. Which is why I'm I said that, that I'm not taking anything was... away from Summer because it's easier for it's easier to score a penalty than it is to um is to miss. Sorry, for our keeper to save it. It's easier save for the it. player to score than it is to be saved. And I felt Yoris would have been upset with himself when he got a hand to that one and he didn't, he wasn't able to push it, to push it out. No, but that's 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 my point. You can read it, dive the right way, and still touch the ball and not save the ball. So I just thought it was I just thought it was a brilliant save. Because um like I said, if a panenka goes in, it's a great penalty. But for let me use an example. I don't remember which league it's in. I don't remember if it's the Hungarian League or the Bosnian League, but people can look this up on YouTube. There was a team that needed a penalty to not get relegated, right? There was a team who were supposed to take a this season. This season, you can find it on YouTube quick because I mean, in teammate, they nearly killed it. Um, he took a panenka and perfect technique and everything. He put a stand up on it. Oh, yes, I remember that. I remember watching that clip. Keeper just stand up and catch it. It looks stupid when it, when, when it happens like that. Yes. But when it goes yes, in, yes. you're a fucking... You're, oh, my yes. God, you're Pirlo. Yes, Panekas, yes. Panekas are, are polarizing. I think all penalties are. I think, let's say that, let's say that Yoris got his hand to it and saved that penalty. People will say, all right, then he should have put more power on it. Maybe he should have been a little bit more height on it. People will always say that. I like, you see, the reason the why persons are criticizing Mbappé's penalty, or to what I know persons are criticizing it, is He's because he ticked, no, he ticked all the boxes. Like you said, he ticked all the boxes. Good height, good power, good placement. Again, if yeah, someone doesn't save it, if someone doesn't save it, everybody's saying that's a good penalty. You want to know, you want to know the penalties that persons criticize when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're trying to pass the ball. Exactly. And the key and the keeper just roll roll it up and catch it. Then you can't say there's no power on that, there was no placement on that. That's, that, no, that's what I that. that's what I mean. Because when I saw Mbappe took that penalty, I didn't see a lack of confidence. I saw that he wanted to place it where he placed it. And yes, it wasn't right in the corner. Like um there was a penalty that there was a penalty that Germany took. Which penalty Germany did take? Um our Schweinsteiger or somebody did take. I don't remember if it was against Italy in the Euros semi-finals 2012. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, I don't remember which 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 um penalty penalty it was. I don't remember if it was even Bayern, I'm thinking of. But I remember it's probably Bayern, 
I remember or Trent Seven taking Byron. something when he hit it I, when I he hit it against the post. No man, no man. I'm not talking about a missed penalty. I'm talking about like a, a, a penalty that looked perfectly taken. Where he placed it oh. right in the corner, but it have pace mm-hmm. and power on it. When I say right in the corner, I mean that the ball, the ball, the ball goes right in between the goalkeeper's hand and the post. Yes. So what those are what you call perfect penalties. Exactly. Because and unless the keeper is willing to to send his hand into the post, you can't stop it. No, but that's the thing. Even when goalkeepers are willing to send their hand into the post. Yeah. It's it's so it's placed so well with enough power. With so much it's power. able to slide slide right past. Exactly, but we've seen goalkeepers even save those, and people say, okay, well, it should have been higher. It should have been a little bit off the ground, or well, there would no. always be criticism because for penalties. Because by common convention, penalties you're normally told to put the penalty into the corner. Hard on low, hard on low, hard on low, hard on low. Yeah, because that's those are the hard ones for keeper to see. Yeah. Unless you have De Gea, because De Gea actually has um, good reflexes to get to the ground. The, yeah, to the drop key. down quick enough. Yes, unless yes. you're facing a keeper that can drop themselves to the ground. De Gea's problem is reading body movement. Yes. He's, he doesn't he's guess the right way all the time. Exactly. Yoris is good at reading body movement. There are other goalkeepers who are good at reading body no, movement. Yeah, um, Ter Stegen, um, no, yeah, Ter Stegen. No, yeah, What was his name again for Netherlands when they subbed off Silicon to... Um, Tim Crew. Yes. yes, Martinez, yes. These are players that are very good at judging your body movement. But exactly. That's the hair's biggest problem. It's not even his reflexes. Check was safe. also very good at that as well. Check was a, but check was all check became afraid of the post after a while. Yes. But he still wasn't afraid to throw himself in there for a penalty. Exactly. So because goalkeepers like Czech, um, they end up playing the same game that strikers play. Um, they steer right at the right at the penalty taker, and the penalty taker steers right back at them. So it's a certain the goalkeepers who look directly at you, like Noya, because they back their reflexes to get down quick enough based on any based on where you kick the ball. Because I think at this time they're working off of instinct than thinking, oh yeah, he's going to go left, so I'm preparing myself to go left. So it's one of those. Um, but you know, the world champions are out. Um, you know, welfare to Switzerland, you know, they deserved it. They played well, good football. And football is the winner on that day because there were wonderful matches. And the only sad part is, and I think you said it as well, where you said that France looked like they could go up a gear and they did they go up did a gear. And by all fairness, I think I think Deschamps said after that he, he was to be blamed because they should have seen you know, that 3 1. They should have seen she can't climb up. Yeah, they should have, they, they should they have seen, should have seen that. Yes. So uh, they, it so was... what you know what I didn't like about France that day? Mm-hmm. Why I think they lost the match. When you're the world champion, you don't adjust your you don't adjust your exactly. Story. You do not adjust to you know, teams adjust you to make you, them, right? yeah. You make them adjust and to I you think too. and I think that was one of the problems. And that's why that's why Desham, I think that's why Deshams came out and said I'm he is to be blamed. For yeah, it? because again, how do you change to a goddamn three-five-two um for adjust to Switzerland when they should be adjusting their formations? Exactly, and they should have. And in all fearness, that 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 four-four-two diamond that you were having coming in, it still helps you defensively against a three-five-two. Kante just needs to drop in between his centre box. Are then make Kante players a box to box and bring on a taller midfielder who can drop in between the centre or move Rabio to the defensive midfielder. It's not like Rabio don't like. 
as a matter of fact, Rabio championed playing defensive midfield throughout his PSG career. It's not a position he's afraid to play or doesn't like to play. He's tall enough to drop in between your center backs to create a third center back while allowing your full backs who are actually center backs. Because Pavard and Lu and Pavard is a is a natural center back who can play right back and defensive midfield. So again, it's not like you lose. But Lucas Hernandez is a fullback. They don't use team. No, no, he's a center back as well. He's Lucas the majority of his game that um all of his best performances since he's been at Milan has been playing as a fullback. So he's converting. Um, no, no, no. Wrong, he's fully wrong, converted wrong, to wrong, a fullback. Wrong fullback. Wrong fullback. Wrong fullback. Wrong fullback. You're thinking about his brother. You're thinking about Theo. Theo is, yeah, is his brother's name Spain. Lucas? No, Theo plays for Spain. Theo, who plays for AC Milan, plays for Spain. Yes, he's French. No, he's French. No, 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 no. Listen, no, listen, no, listen, no, listen. No. Because the two brothers were at, like, Atletico Madrid Academy. Theo then left and went to Real Madrid. Never make it at Real Madrid. Then went to AC Milan. Bayern signed the other brother. You're Lucas. complete. No, you're missing it up. I just checked it. Theo Lu- Hernandez is one that plays for France as a left back. Lucas is one that's at Bayern that is the centre back. Yes, but Theo doesn't play for France. Theo he plays does. for Spain. I just checked it. No, check again, brother. Lucas is the one who plays for Lucas is the one who plays for um Bayern, right? He's the one who plays for France. Him and Pavard. They're the French ones. Check. Theo Hernandez, who plays for AC Milan, plays for the Spanish national team. He's played for them already. He played at the World Cup. Lucas is the one who plays for Bayern. The one who plays for Bayern plays for France. Yep. Just confirmed it. Theo is declared for France. Like I said, I've known Theo to to play for... um, I, on the French Football Federation website, he's declared for them. Like I said, I've, I've known him to have declared for speed. But you know, like all of that aside, though, um, regardless of which country, more them declare for. Lucky you, you can you have a choice of two of the best national teams to play for. Um, England, Germany. The English fans are yes, and wasn't it Lucas who played for? Wasn't it Lucas who got called for France for this? Lucas, turn? Lucas played in the World Cup for them. yeah for for them at left back. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, let me. This is the problem I hate with like the Hernandez brothers. They always throw me off. I'll be honest with you. They always throw me off. Uh, let me check and see who got called up. Yeah, it's Lucas Hernandez. He has two. Yes, two Luca, yes. Like Lucas. Yes, got called. Yeah, that, yes, yeah Lucas that's. I'm a okay, so Lucas. So, okay, so he's the center. Okay, so he's the one playing at left back then. That's what I'm 100% sure of. So and why does know. France still have his brother declared for them though? That's I don't weird. know, but I I am I am I, I know that one of them declared for France and one declared for Spain because of their mother or something like that. Oh, is that? So I don't understand brothers. what. Yeah, kind of like that situation, but I know that Lucas is the one who starts for France with with Benjamin Pavard. So there's still centre backs. I thought it was his brother. Honest, honest, I thought because I know his brother is a left back. And he's one no, of the they're, best left they're backs both, in the series. They're, yeah. 
they're well not I wouldn't say that. I said one of the best, not the best, one of the best. Well, I know Lucas weird, is the though. one who starts. I know that Lucas is the one who starts for, for, for Yeah, I know Lucas. I know the Bayern. I know the one who plays for Bayern starts for France. Yes. Bayern's Bayern reason why Bayern won't buy a center back because they think he will come good. But um other than that. The English fans are rejoicing, you know. I feel they're celebrating like like they just want a cup. Um, according to them, it's coming home. So, and again, uh, it's always coming home for England. It's been coming home from 1966, and now they can't reach home. That's the longest bus ride in history. But they got lucky. I'll tell you that. They got lucky. They were, you know, England for some, like Southgate has been a very lucky manager. He's always been able to play teams when they're not at their best or they're going through a transition or he gets teams that they should be because they just have that much better players. But I honestly don't feel, I feel their luck is going to run out in the quarterfinals. I don't think they've because been lucky. So, I don't think they've been lucky so far. Throwing one goal and then defending out. He's trying to do a Greece. I wouldn't say that because again, Greece played. Greece recently sit back and 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 and, and um and well, not yes. He's he's sitting back. No, Greece did not do that, and that's one of the things that's a misconception about that Greece national team. It wasn't the most talented national team, but we can't pretend like they just sit back and lock their way to the competition. They outworked everybody. And they had some yes. talented players who eventually played um, for some good clubs. Um, their best forward at that time was Sam- um, Tinder, was Georgia Samaras. They had Gekas and they had Karagoons, who were actually three talented footballers. The rest of the squad had no talent on it, but those three guys, the attacking midfielder and the two forwards that they had, were actually pretty talented. One of them is one of is Celtics leading goal scorer. One of Celtics all time leading goal scorers. Granted, that's still Glasgow Celtic, but at the end of the day, this that guy who was played in the Champions League countless amount of times. Caragunis spent the last years of his career at Fulham as a starter. Yes, that is true. So you can't. You can't really go around that. But, you know, um, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't like the conception that Greece didn't play against. They played people. They came out and played people. The problem is people never expect them to be that good. And it shot the shit out of people. And then I think the only match where I think they sat back was against Portugal in the final because they didn't have a choice. You had Cristiano Ronaldo, a young Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo on the right, and you had a loose had Figo, Deco, on the left. You had Deco playing attacking Exactly, Pauletta up front. And then when they took off Pauletta, you had Hugo Almeida as a youngster coming on. Um, so Luna Gomez, Rui Costa. Luna Gomez, Rui Costa, you, you know the words. Those are the um the young the, the small forwards that they had at the time, or the second strikers that they had at the time. So it was a it was a it was a stack team. We know the Carvalhos, the, the, the Paulo Ferreiras, the Manish, all of those players. But I just don't like the concept that Greece was just this like completely garbage team. 
This is the problem, you know, like, you know, good fair play to England. Yeah, they finally beat Germany since 1996. I don't know why they're celebrating that much. But, you know, small time mentality. And winning trophies aren't their specialties. They have to celebrate little victories when they get it. The reason why nobody wants England to win is because English fans are unbearable. Yeah. Every tournament, they are the worst set of fans to deal with. You have English fans making fun of the... Um, the camera showed a young German girl that was crying. She don't even look like eight or nine years old. And they're like making fun of a kid. And you're like... No, well, that's, that's not... No, 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 this that's this is why nobody, oh, oh, oh. nobody, nobody no, no, likes no, you no. guys. I, I agree with that. Well, I agree with him doing that. Nobody makes fun of a child who's crying, though. Yeah, but this is sports, bro. Like, I expect that from sports. That's you one of the somebody things. you expect grown yeah, ass men making fun of kids. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Y'all need y'all need a reality check. Hell yeah, we're, we're talking about sports, and I'm not talking about in reality where all right, a kid falls on the ground and we're just making fun of the kid. Yes, or a kid you goes should, through something. You shouldn't, bad. yeah, but you still should be making fun of a child that is crying over sports. Hell yeah. No, you shouldn't. No, granted, it may be a little girl, so maybe it's a bit different for, for you. But like, in all fairness, like when it comes on to sports, there are no holds bar. If you go to a yes, basketball match, no, hell no. If bro, you, the bro, only bro, thing there's you, nothing you can say to justify making fun of a child that is crying. There's oh, nothing you can say to justify it. Yes, in sports, it's different. I think so in sports, because if you go to any NFL stadium, you go to any NBA stadium, you go to any football stadium, you know that that same kid who is crying will be making fun of you, right? There's no holes barred. Bro, as a grown-ass man, as a grown-ass man, you do not make fun of a child. That is no, crying. you're thinking. No, you're thinking the overall picture. I'm not talking. Bro, the there's overall nothing. Picture. There's whether it's sports, whether it's I, I reality. Think it's, I, I think it's fear. You I, can I think see. it's fear. No, no, no. I think no. it's fear gaming. It could nothing. Nothing we're not talking about no, 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 no. We're not talking about that tragedy that happened to the child. It doesn't matter. Like Mario, there's it no does. way you. It does. No, there's nothing again. You, a grown ass man, yes. A grown ass woman, yes. You do not make fun of a child. What? Have you been to sporting events? I have, and you don't make fun of children. That's why I'm wondering over a result. That's why I'm wondering because I know that you've been, to, you've covered sporting, you've taken pictures, you're a photographer, you're a videographer at sporting events. I, I just and yes, stands. and nobody ain't making fun of I dis- children. I fully disagree with that. I've seen, I've seen so many highlights of like grown-ass people getting into arguments with kids, kids getting into grown-ass um, arguments with grown people. Like, they I'm are just as before. immature as the child because who they no, but which grown which is why I said, argues with a child. No, which is no, which is why I said in the terms of sports, I expect it. Banter, anywhere yes. else in life, banter, anywhere else. yes. No, no, but no, Leon. Making fun of a child is not banter. Leon, Leon, Leon. It's not like they're making fun of a child over a trivial thing that happened to the child. It's a sporting event. You're just teasing the child because their team lost. Like I want to see it's a not a tragic event. I'll beat I'll beat the crap out of them. And again, and these give them are, a reason to smile. No, you see, these are the emotions that sports bring out, which is why I said I think that it's a part of sports. <laughs> Everybody has a get it. I don't care. They don't care if you're young and um um again the the, 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 the line that I cross is putting your hands on somebody else's child. When it comes on to sporting events, or any well in, in most cases. 
But like, oh, yeah. so you, you, you keep your hand to yourself. Yeah, you keep your hand to yourself. Even if it's an adult. For the most part, you keep your hands to yourself. Um, unless you're the Suns in four guy who beat the shit out of the Nuggets guy and says Suns in four, which they did win in four. Um, <laughs> but, that's, but, that, but that's what I mean. If you go to a baseball, baseball park, like, there's grown men teasing a child because, yo, your team just lost. Let's say the Yankees and the Red Sox are playing. You think those Yankees fans are going to um, spear the Red Sox child because he's crying? Fuck, oh, man, I a peanut in them face while I'm at it. And that's where I would draw the line. But I'm saying, that's where sports, sports carries you. Yes, you're going to see grown-ass men in, 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 you're going to see grown-ass men tell a seven-year-old, hey, fuck you, your, your, your team shit. That, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Only in England. I wouldn't say that. That's why, that's why I brought up US examples. Because I don't think it's only in England. Yeah, the US is not a good barometer. Of I agree. I agree. True, true. I am not saying that the US is the, is the best place to copy fans' behavior. Because, I mean, come on. US fans... Neither is England. I, I, I don't disagree. They... England are known for one for, for, for hooliganist, hooliganistic fans and um, the USA, their fans are damn near down are crazy. So I'm not saying that they're the epi, what do you call it? They're, they're not the same side, Same sides, you know, the proverb, um, same coin, two different sides. Yeah, same sides, are, two different sides of the same coin. I get that. They are. But I'm saying it is a part of sports. So it doesn't surprise me. Is it would I personally be in the crowd seeing a child cry and then and, and then shit on the, on the child even more? No, that's not my per- But I don't, it doesn't surprise me and it doesn't affect me when, when, when I see that. Because I expect it in sports. Your team will play like shit, are you sensitive enough for crying? Yeah, go get it. Do am I personally going to deliver it to you? No, but when that when that guy who has been drinking beers all morning. Sitting in the goddamn hot sun watching his team cheer on with his emotions flying all over the place because until Sterling scored that goal, he probably blows one cursing to, to take off Sterling. But I know the nuances of being a sports fan, which means that, all right, the day the people look in the stands and think those people are just there. No, those are actual people. It's not like you're playing a video game and the fans are just in the stands waving flags and shit. Those are actual live people. So, before, before Sterling scored that goal, um, they were probably cursing on Sterling. Oh, they should have probably started Jadon Sancho. Hey, fuck Sterling. Let's say that, let's say that Hurricane missed that chance early. Oh, fuck Hurricane. You get what I'm saying? So, but that's what I'm saying. Because English fans are unbearable. All right, look at when Germany beat Brazil 7-1. The German fans are respectful. They were making fun of anybody. They hardly even celebrated. Much in the long time. Most people are really. Yeah, but for those who stayed and were crying and in tears, they weren't laughed at or jeered at or persons making fun of them. No, that's what I said. There that's was respect. Said. No, but and that's how Germans fans conduct themselves. But again, that's what should we expect from English fans? We English I, fans have some of the worst reputations in Europe, so yeah, but that's that's but I, I just think it should be expected in sports. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying yes, that persons expect it right from wrong. England because that's what 
That's from I don't just expect, but that's English the thing. I, I don't expect it just from English fans. That's my point I'm trying to make. I, I expect it across all sports. I'm pretty sure we're going to find some fun from anywhere that will be some shit like that. It might not be the majority, like in the case of England or, or the US, it might not be of the majority, but I expect to see it in sports all over the world. It doesn't necessarily mean means that every Japanese fan is going to treat you like shit, or every English fan is going to treat you like shit, or every US fan is going to treat you like shit. I just don't, it does it just doesn't surprise. Me. I see I, I see them near as part of the game. So, um, Jaguar did a press conference this morning. Woke me up out of my bed. That's He's saying advice. that this Germany team shall peak in twenty twenty four. Mm, 2024. That's, that's, that's yes, Euros 24. Yeah, because they would have played their first World Cup next year. And they don't have another big still, competition. Till and they still have very young, it's still a very young team. Yeah, so I kind of agree with that. Scene. I can't I can disagree with that. Scene. He's saying that this tournament would have given a lot of them their first experience at a major tournament. And like you said, World Cup next year will be another big, um, big um, booster for them. And that in 2024, that's when this team will be able to deliver a title. Which, like I said, I can't deny that. I think that's actually a pretty good timeline. I think we can deliver a title more if by some miracle this upcoming football season um, unearth a striker or team of Werner goes back to Leipzig Werner that scores for fun because a lack of a proper striker is what is killing Germany and you can have all the midfielders you want unless Kai hits another level this season I see, I see that we're going to have the same problem that we had this Euros struggle to create goals granted if Hansi Flick uses this system that he uses at Bayern, then we will create chances for fun. But we're going to have the same problem Bayern had. Who is, who is the man that's going to convert those half chances into goals? And who is the man who's going to convert those clear-cut chances into goals? Because Muller missed and Werner missed. And Werner scores, that's 1-0. Muller scores, that's 1-1. You know, fine margins, fine margins this side knockout, knockout matches. Muller should have scored that goal. But of course, of course Muller should have scored that goal. I'm pissed that he missed. But what can I say? Muller has not scored in the Euros for us since forever. It's funny, you know, like in the World Cup, he's your most reliable forward. But in the Euros, he's never scored in a Euros match. You know, so if there's one person you wanted that chance to falter, I don't think you wanted it to fall to Muller. But again, I, I, I if, if there's so. one person you wanted it to fall to, it would be Muller exactly. because you know how clinical he is. But when you know his history of that, he's never scored in a Euros, then... I still want it to be him. I don't, need, rather, him to, I don't, I don't need him to turn into um, World Cup Muller. I just need in this moment for him to take one chance. No, I need World Cup Muller. No, when I say World Cup, Mula, I don't need it to be like the top scorer for the tournament. 
I mean, no, I mean, World Cup Mula scores that. World Cup Mula scores definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. But I just want that in that moment. I don't need, like, I don't need top goal scorer Mula where tie with in 2014 and got the golden boot in 2018. Sorry, in 2010. I need Mula that will put the ball into the back of the net. All right, well, um, to kind of just run through the rest of uh, Euros games. Denmark uh-huh. versus Denmark versus uh, the Czech. That's going to be an interesting match. Denmark, the Czech is playing on... Playing, like Denmark is playing off. They have ability, but this looks like they're playing they more have, off card than anything squad. else. They have a better, they have a good squad. Like that, that's one of the things about Denmark people who are they have a damn good squad. I don't think they have a better squad than the Czech overall. They have defenders that they, they have young defenders that they can throw on in Azir and um the guy from Fulham, the center back from Fulham. Um Anderson mm-hmm. or jo- Joachim Anderson or something like that. Um Kajir who plays for Celtic. I don't know if he's left Celtic yet. And of course, the starting front three of um, the starting back three of Vestergaard, Christian Eriksen, and um, Simon Kajer from uh, AC Milan. So, yeah, they have talent. They have Casper Michael in goal. Damsgaard, I think, plays for um, Sampdoria in the Syria. He's their attacking midfielder, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then when you look at their forwards, they have Casper Dolberg, they have Marvin Braithwaite, they have um, Jacob Paulson, their right back is Daniel Was, the starting right back for Valencia, and their midfield is Delaney, who's a starter for Borussia Dortmund. He's been injured all of the season, or for the most part this season. So Jude Bellingham has had to drop deeper and play in a, in, in a midfield uh, pivot rather than playing him as an attacking mid or a central mid in a midfield three, and. Um, Honestly, they have Delaney, and I'm missing their next midfielder, who's also very important. Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, who, of course, started for Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like this team doesn't have talent. And again, Damsgaard is really a Christian Eriksen substitution. He wouldn't even have started if Eriksen is there. So this team, to me, overall, as a team, is better than the Czech Republic. It's just that the Czech Republic has a starting 11. If you, if you get the Czech Republic beyond their starting 11, you're good. Once you can get past Yangto, Sufal, Socek, Ural, um, Vidra, Sheik, if you can keep Vidra and Sheik quiet, if you can keep Darida from creating, um, keep Socek from your from an 18-yard box for too long, you'll be fine. And of course, Kalas is in their defense. Yep. But in all fairness, he's their only defender. So the two starting 11s are not far from each other. But I think that uh, I think they, the Danish national team have more that they can bring on. All right. We'll see Ukraine beating England because I think Ukraine is the better team. As a team, they play better as a team. They create chances at their will. And... They work harder than England, you know, in my in my in my estimation. And they don't need a hundred chances to score. Yep. And we and we really need to stop hearing it's coming home. Don't worry, that, that, that's who's that's who's. 
I think Ukraine wins something. Um, Belgium, Italy is the match everybody wants to watch. I yeah, I'm not calling that. I'm not calling that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from it. Um, yeah, I'm not calling that one. Neither team I, really all I know themselves. is the winner, the winner of the tournament is coming from that bracket. And I think it's what Spain, Spain is playing. Spain. I'm trying to remember who's who Spain is playing. The Swiss? No, isn't the Swiss? Yes. Let's see. It's the Swiss. Spain, yes. Spain is playing the Swiss. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing about this match. Spain is playing the team that can perfectly defend that himself. Mm-hmm. Not only that, they're playing against a team that can perfectly expose their defense. Spain has to make this a high-scoring match. The problem for Spain is that they need too many chances to score. Switzerland don't need a lot of chances to score, and they're the perfect team with the perfect defensive shape. That 3 5 2 will slow down your 4 3 3. It's going to be an interesting match. They'll, they'll match your midfield and they will prevent your fullbacks from getting the ball. And if, and if um, defensively you're not having your best day, which Spain has not been good defensively for the entire tournament, they've been able to outscore their. Exactly. But like I said, the best thing that Spain has going for them is that they have the best tactician in the tournament as their coach. In Luis Enrique. But they don't have the players that can be brought on. Luis Enrique might be good tactically, but he doesn't have any players that he can bring on to change his playing style overall. Meaning that it's like how France try to change their playing style and change their formation to adjust to the Switzerland. To adjust to Switzerland. I think Spain's I think Spain doesn't have that much depth in terms of changing styles of play. I think they have players with talent that they can bring on, but it's still adjust, it still pushes towards what they want in the end, which is attacking football. So let's say that they bring on Busquets and they already have and, and they already have Koke and Pedri on the field and Roger. And they take off Rodri, or they take off Pedri and bring on Busquets and play Rodri and Busquets as a peer in midfield. And let's say they bring on a number 10, like they brought Fabian Ruiz, even though he's not really a 10, but another playmaker. Let's say that they take off Koke and bring on another playmaker. And they have, let's forget about Busquets. They bring on Fabian Ruiz, they take off Koke. I want to change the formation to a 3 5. I still think that doesn't give you defensive coverage. I think you're just changing the shape of the team. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. No, Fabian Ruiz is a bit different from Koke or a different, really different from Pedri. But it doesn't give you so much of a change that it makes. That it doesn't change so much tactically. So I do think he has talent, but it's still the talent still um, pushes towards his playing style. To me. It's like how Francian throwing um throwing a Rabio and use him as a box-to-box midfielder or a defensive midfielder. Yeah. That's what I don't think um Henry does. He has players who all play a specific role. Like 
Like, he doesn't have that versatile... I think Koke would be that midfielder or Saul. I don't know if he brought Saul. But... They're here. He, oh, cool. But the point is, I don't see him with enough versatile players. All of his players are specialists at something. So, Roger. Roger's a defensive midfielder. Busquets, defensive midfielder. Koke and Saul can play anywhere in midfield. They're the ones that I see that are versatile. Pedro Gonzalez, yes, he can play on the wing, but again, he's really a playmaker, so he's still getting playmaking or wide. You're not getting much different, you're just getting fresh legs, and you maybe change the shape of your team. So uh, that's one of the things I think Spain need to work on. I get that you're a team that plays tiki-taka football, but you still need to give players who are versatile a chance rather than just have a bunch of specialists. Because if you have a specialist, people can prepare for that. You know what's you know what's a good thing about Swiss's team? Mm-hmm. Everybody can play their mirror everywhere. True. Sure. El can play right back or as a right wing back, even though he's playing at centre back. And centre back is a natural position. Rodriguez. Rodriguez the same. Um, their midfielders the same. So I do think that um Spain will have a difficult will have a tough time against Switzerland. So I, I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, but that's it for to forward. Um the Euros quarterfinals. Yep, that's the Euros quarterfinals. All right, next time we'll be um adding the Copa America to it. We don't have enough time for today. Um Thanks, Leon, for like doing this before you have to go like work and stuff. Uh, the, the annoyance. I look, you wanted to stay in bed all day today, I swear to you. I uh, think I might do, yeah, I think I might do that though. Alright, so that's the end of the podcast. We'll see you guys next time.